Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Well, our country is in the midst of unprecedented challenge and change. Now, one of the things that we're talking about, I I titled this episode, Evil in America. And the reason I did that is because when I look at everything that's going on, been going on, that brought us to the place we are today, with the things we've seen recently when it comes to these violent attacks on innocent people in multiple places, you start to realize that there's something going on here when it looks, it's all connected. Everything is connected to what's going on right now. The political wrangling that we are going through, the fight between traditional conservative, uh, God-fearing people and the progressive pro-abortion, kill-the-babies, anti-God crowd, and we are just so diametrically opposed to each other that you can see things are literally heating up. And all of this is a result of cultural rot. America is in an unprecedented place right now where we all don't believe the same things. We don't have the same aspirations anymore. We don't view the world in the same way. And the country, the nation, is what is at stake. Because I've said this many, many times, and I'll say it again because it's worth repeating. The situation we're seeing now in the world, and especially in the United States, is not sustainable. This cannot continue like this. This will come to a boiling point, and then it will boil over. And when it boils over, only God knows how things are going to go. So when I look at at evil, the very first thing I wanted to do was to define the word evil. Now you can you can look at it in the dictionary, you can go find it, you can feel it in your heart, you know what evil is. It's one of those things, I'll know it when I see it. But the definition, the specific definition is uh, immoral behavior, improper negative behavior. When it comes to supernatural, obviously there's the, uh, there's the religious implications of evil and evil in the world. Evil is something that has been with us for all time. Now, for those who have a religious understanding, we know going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, there was Adam and Eve and the serpent. And the serpent came to undo what was good, what God had made. Now, a lot of people out there that are listening, I know, don't believe in God. So to you, it's just random. Well, evil is still real, even if there is no God. Because we do have good, right? There's still good. If there's no God, there are still good people, right, that do the right thing, that help each other, that love each other, care each other, and would never hurt each other. And even if there is no God, we know there is people out there that will take advantage of you, will hurt you, will destroy you, will kill you, ruin your family, take what you have because they want it, right? So evil is real, whether we add the religious component or not. For me, particularly, as I have said many times before, 
I believe in God. And I, I've gone through that how many times with, to me, it's crystal clear when we look up to the heavens, not so much the stars, but in space, but when we look out there into the universe and we see the complexity of the universe, we see the size and the breadth of the universe. It cannot be by random thought. And I have an extremely high IQ. So all you people sitting out there listening go, well, Lieutenant Joe, you're just some dopey, uh, you know, uh, guy, you're sitting there, guy, guy thinking there are things in your head. You don't really have it. No, I have an education and I have a very high IQ and I contemplate things. I don't just run my mouth. I think about things for a long time. I've built up my core values over the course of my life. I've built up my understanding and I am still on a journey to understand Every single day, I seek to know more than I knew the day before, whether it be in small things or whether it be in the giant things of humanity and how we deal with each other. As a teacher and a trainer of other people, I teach many different topics. I teach ethics. Well, what, what the heck are ethics, right? It's, it's a way of behaving, the unwritten rules of society. It's the things that we do when no one's looking. Character building. What is good character? What are core values? I ask people, what, all what are your core values? And they stare at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. Because we don't talk about these things anymore. And that is where I see all of this that we've been talking about, all the things we're seeing in front of our face every single day, the, the downfall of this great nation clearly now is a possibility, which I don't think I ever really thought it was before. I always figured that the strength of the American spirit would come through. But that's because I thought we all had that American spirit. And we realize now that we're going to use a number that I'm guessing. This is a conjecture. But basically, when you see things, when you see how elections are done, when you see how people react to court responses, to, to court decisions, when you see how people react in their own families when someone is elected or loses an election and what they stand for. We see this, I'm going to say it's about 50% of our country does not believe that America is a great place. And they further believe it should be hobbled, destroyed, and then rebuilt in some other image of something. Well, the reality of this is it's possible now. When you have half the country that doesn't understand what it means to be an American, doesn't understand what a gift this nation has been, not just to all of us Americans, but to the entire planet, to all of mankind, what America has done. And for those people, oh, it brought us slavery, and it brought us this, and it brought us that. I'm going to tell you once, shut up and sit down. Think about where the world would be today without the United States of America, without that American spirit, without that God-given belief that America is exceptional. It is ordained to be a great place. Where would the world be? Well, we probably wouldn't have made it out of the World War I. We definitely would not have made it out of World War II, right? So think about how the world would have been. So all you people, well, there was slavery back in the day. Yes, there was. There was slavery all over the world. And it came here to America at its founding. And it was ugly and it was terrible. And what did we do about it? We got rid of it. 
We don't have slaves anymore. We don't have slave states. That's gone. That was an abomination. That was an evil on America that we, the Americans, threw off. In the Civil War, how many hundreds of thousands of people died so that we could end that abomination? That is a sacrifice for freedom. So the altar of freedom is covered in the blood of patriots and good and decent men and women of all colors, all races, all religions who have called America their home. We are no longer in that spot. It is clear to me that while I don't believe the country will fall, that I do believe we will survive somehow because I think uh, there is a hand of God in all of this, though we have free will and we can destroy it. I think we will survive. But for the first time, I really honestly believe there can be the fundamental change that people have been trying to foist on us to do to America, slow and steady. We're dying by the death of a thousand cuts. Evil is lurking everywhere. And one of the things that that really cemented this for me recently was seeing the reaction to the Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade. And I have made it very, very clear that I understand not everyone is religious and not everyone sees God behind everything and therefore they don't want God in, in making decisions about them. I understand. I have a wife and I have a daughter that they should have control over their bodies. Absolutely. And I'm not going to redo the entire uh, abortion thought here, but the reaction that I saw to it was not simply one side saying, well, okay, now it has to go back to the states. Is that the proper thing that, you know, the states decide this based on our constitution? And now we have to go to go, go elect people that are going to allow you to abort your babies. It's a very simple thing. And that's where it belongs. That's part of the hinge pin of what makes the constitution so powerful and our way of life. We are a group of states that have our communities, are our states. And whatever community things you believe in can take place in your state. And that's really a good thing. We don't have a, a, a one-size-fits-all, right? And the reaction that I saw, though, was not people going, well, that's disappointing that now it has to go back to the states and they kind of liked it, that it was a federal kind of decision and no matter what you thought in your state, too bad you're going to believe this. Uh, there'll be abortion everywhere. That now people have to make decisions. They have to decide where to go move. And, and when I'm thinking about something, I'm going to move somewhere just so I can terminate my pregnancy? I guess so. And, and I know, I know it's very hard for some people. A baby can be very inconvenient. A baby can change your life. It can change the trajectory of your life. I understand that. And I understand where people want to say, I want to decide that. I get it. I don't think it's fair to the baby. That has always been my position. The baby, I believe, from the moment of conception, is a human being, and therefore we have to protect the baby. Now, what we've seen in this reaction, though, and this is this was a, a, a pivotal moment here for me for seeing all of this evil in America and, and kind of putting it all together. When I saw the vehemence, the the spitting rage on people's faces 
screaming how, you know, people coming up going, I've had four abortions and made me a good person. I've done this. I hate hating on people, wanting to kill, burn, destroy things and tear it down. You know what phrase came to me? This is the phrase that came to me. And I think this epitomizes it completely. That, that, that anger, that, that vitriol, that, that spitting anger over not being able to kill a baby has got to be Satan approved. That's what came to me. It is Satan approved. And when we start to look at all these things that are happening, if you're a religious person, it seems very clear that if you were to give uh, Satan... The, de- the devil, Beelzebub, if you were to give him free reign here where he could do whatever he wanted, a lot of the things that we're seeing take place in our country today is exactly what he would do. These are the things, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's written in the Bible. I'm not one of them guys. I'm simply telling you it is biblical. The evil that is upon our land, and that is what's drawing us down because it has destroyed our culture the culture we all live in. It is, it is no longer a melting pot. It is now almost a simmering sewer. When you look, we've gone to the lowest common denominator of what we want to consider, at, consider as appropriate behavior, appropriate interaction with other people. The way we deal with our society and chaos in our society or keeping a, an ordered society where everyone's voice counts, you make your argument and we move forward. The rule of law has been destroyed. Religion is being destroyed. It is a simmering sewer. And it is all Satan approved. Now, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to coin a phrase. It just seems to me very clear that we're in a position, whether it's uh, religious-inspired evil or whether it is just the evil of man. We are now fighting evil every single day. Every movement we see is evil. And the abortion decision, I think, because it deals with life, because it deals with life itself, the very essence of what it means to be human is to be alive. When we... See how I'm putting this all together? Do you get it? See all these thoughts start to come together? The fact that we are living on this gigantic rock floating through space in the middle of nowhere and we are here at all is a miracle. And life, the conception of a human child, is the epitome of that beauty and that miracle that there is life. Otherwise, it would just be all dead rock, nothingness, chemicals floating through eternity. But it's not. We are here, whether we are alone in the universe or not. We are here today on this planet. We are alive. We can feel emotions. We love each other. We can think. We can have relationships We can have joy. We can see such beauty. And all of that essence, all of that good comes down to life. And at its essence, life is that conceived little baby. And yes, it can be hard. 
Yes, it can be uncomfortable to have a baby. It could be expensive. It could change your life choices. It absolutely can. But there's a bigger picture to all of this. And I think that argument, that response that I saw, I saw this one young woman get up there with a shirt that said, I've had four abortions. And she was proud of it. And she was going on and on and on. And I get it. That's, that's your choice. Go to a state where they let you do that. But think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. The response was evil and Satan approved. Now, does that mean that people who have abortions are evil? No, I don't think they are evil. I think sometimes they're, they're confused. I think they're afraid. I think they're scared. I think there's, there's things that, that go into the decision. I don't think that they are evil. I think the act itself is, is the opposite of good. Taking away a baby's life is the essence of evil in the act, not in the person. I know people make decisions for lots of reasons that they think are right, that they believe are right, that in their heart they think this is the only thing they can do. I get that. I'm just simply saying that when you start to put all these things together, the evil that is running rampant in our country is obvious, and that, that came to me so clearly in that, that, that woman spitting and screaming and cursing and the, 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 the redness of her face. It, it was just... It was horrifying to watch, and I just couldn't understand that kind of vehemence for such a thing. So, the evil in America, it's out there, and it's, it's the road we're on now. Because if you remember back, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes ago, do you remember me saying, once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't really put it back? Where do we go from here? Next week, next week, are we all going to sit back together and go, you know, okay, well, all right. So if you want to, if you, you know, if you, if you don't like the way things are where you live, you got to go somewhere where they are like you live. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, hey, why don't we all get along now? Why don't we, why don't we realize that hey, there is no slavery anymore? Um, sure. There are still some spots of racism, but that goes for lots of people on both sides of the aisle. People are bad, right? But okay, pretty much we're improving. Let's, why don't we all get together and improve together? Why don't we move forward together? Figure out how to do this right. Is that what's going to happen? Do you think that this is going to get better or worse? You see the, the commentary about the Supreme Court. When a decision goes the way the right likes it, when the conservatives get a decision, we rejoice in that, hey, justice seems to have been done here. We seem to think this is the right outcome. When it goes the way of our friends on the left, they see it the same way. This is the right thing. This is the right. The difference is in how we react when it doesn't go our way. I know there is disappointment on the side of the right when something doesn't go our way. Look at the uh, stay in stay in Mexico policy. I thought that was a great policy, but I also understand that a presidential executive order can and should be able to be undone by the next president. And that's what Joe Biden did. He has every right to do that. I believe that. Even though I don't like that he did it. Now it should be codified in law. This is how the system is supposed to work. But we don't teach that. We don't teach, we don't teach our kids uh, about uh, civics. We don't teach them about what's supposed to go on. We teach them all this other stuff that goes on in life. right? 
And I don't want to lose my place here. I got my notes, believe me. Thank you. Uh, but the reality is we, we see the differences in how, how, how we all see the country now. When before we, we saw things from different points of view, we could argue them out, we could be angry, we, we could say a lot of things, but there are people now saying that the country shouldn't be anymore. And that all started, right? The death, death of a thousand cuts, right? Look at all the ways we've started to dismantle the United States. Let's get rid of statues that we don't like. Let's, let's, let's lump onto those statues our anger about the way things are or our beliefs about things. So let's get rid of them statues. Let's get rid of religion. You know, this, this whole God thing. You must be stupid if you believe in God. This is a modern world. There is no God. God wouldn't let little children have cancer, right? Because people don't understand what religion teaches us. When religion teaches us that suffering, as hard as it is to understand, suffering has a purpose, right? And I'm not going to get into the whole religious thing here, but if you don't believe me, go ask a clergyman that you know. What is the purpose of suffering? I never understood it. I was angry about it. My daughter was born with a liver condition, and I had to go to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And while my daughter was okay, and it was tough, but she was okay, and I saw so many beautiful little children dying of cancer, it tore my heart out, and it made me angry. And I had a question. How could a God of love allow this little child to suffer? And I didn't understand it. I had to go learn about it. I didn't just take that emotion and run with it. I had to think about it. What did it mean? What could it possibly mean? How could it have any good for society at all for that to happen? And then you have to understand free will. You have to understand the purpose of suffering. And there is a purpose to it. As horrible as it is, just as much as there's a purpose to joy and to love. There's a purpose for all of these things. right? If you don't know, go ask a priest. Go ask a rabbi. Uh, go ask an imam. Go ask somebody about these things that understands them. Maybe it'll give you some perspective so you'd understand. So evil running rampant is what I see in the background here. And it is, it is, it is culminating. It is boiling. It is building to a crescendo. And we've seen this historically throughout time. We have seen evil start to grow. And people try to talk to it. They try and calm it down. They try to appease it. They try, But you don't appease evil. Right? When evil starts to rise, you have to put it down. Or it will rise and gain strength. And we've seen that historically. How many times in the history of man? Remember, Lieutenant Joe's uh, edict here, the reality, is that it is the a default position of mankind to live under tyranny because we have free will, because one person is stronger than another, because one group can defeat another, right? You will have tyranny. America, the United States of America, is the exception to that rule. And that is why it's exceptional. Not because it had slavery, because it has rich people in charge of everything, because it has corporations. That's not why it's exceptional. America is exceptional because it was not built on the default position of tyranny. It's going that way because that is natural for humanity. We see our friends on the left, 
and I believe many people on the left, family and friends included, are good and decent people. And the ideas, the words of, of socialism, the words of uh, progressivism uh, are, are, very, are very nice. Fairness, equality, equity, these are all wonderful things, but they don't really work in real life because they destroy. And who else destroys evil? So let's take the religious side of evil. What does the devil do? Does he show up like in the scary movies and scare the crap out of people? No, he tempts you. He pushes you. He gives you opportunities to do the wrong thing. He's quiet. He says really good things. Go ahead. You, you deserve that. Take it. Take the apple. The apple's really good. It's delicious. Why else would he put it here if he didn't want you to eat it? He cajoles. He teases. He makes bad look good. That's the religious side. The natural side of evil is that it takes advantage. Cancer is an evil. It's a disease, but it's an evil. It destroys healthy cells and takes over the body and kills the person. Right? That's a natural evil in the world. People evil when they see something they want and you have it. And then they take it from you. And they challenge you to take it back. Or they kill you when they take it. Whether that be your life, your body, your mind, your house, your goods, whatever. Evil is creeping when it comes to mankind. Right, so we have religious evil and we have just regular old natural evil. So whether you are a religious person or not, evil is out there and it's, it's happening right in front of us. So we talked about the abortion situation and how that revealed this, this, this desire, this bloodlust. And I, and I, I tell you, I get it. I, I, I can't be clear that I understand how hard it is. I've had four children when I couldn't afford them. When I didn't know how I was going to feed them and give them the medicine and the clothes and everything they deserved. And then how I would send them to college. And boy, did it change the trajectory of my life. It sure did. But I loved those children. Some of them had some difficulties that we had to overcome. It was hard. It was expensive. It cost a lot. It changed the trajectory of my life that of what I wanted to do. But I love those children, and therefore I sacrificed, and I kept working. I didn't destroy them. I didn't abort them. Even when I knew my daughter had a serious problem, we knew when she was in utero she had a serious problem. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this, so he's, oh, Lieutenant Joe, what a good guy you are. No, I'm simply saying I understand the pain, the difficulty, the fear the, the uncomfortableness of having to change your trajectory, that it's not what you expected. But I'm also saying there are gifts that are so wonderful, so hard to explain that until you've held that baby in your arms, until you've felt that connection to the generations before you and the generations in front of you, till you felt that connection to your God or just to your world, you're no longer alone. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we'll be back in a minute. Yes, I can go on and on and on all day. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice. We'll be right back. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. 
look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code out loud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. All right, everybody, welcome back to Chasing Justice with me, your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangar. I'm glad you spend the time with me. I really do appreciate it. You know, afternoon uh, can be interesting for people. And they, I know they play us on the podcast, so you can always get all our shows on the podcast. If you missed anything, go back and listen to the podcast. Lots of interesting things said here, if I do say so myself. Um, I just try to give you my opinion, my thoughts, let you hear me work things out in my head. And the purpose of all that is not for you to say, boy, Lieutenant Joe, that's really something. What It's for you to think. You know, if I can add anything to the conversation, a thought, a concept, a question that you then take and run around in your head and talk to your friends and family and people about, and it helps us all to get to a better place, that's really the purpose. And that's what it means to be chasing justice, chasing justice in all instances, not just uh, you know law enforcement or something like that, but in all instances. So we have to stay healthy, which brings me to, that's right, uh, I'm going to tell you about Healthy Cell. This, uh, I've been taking this stuff for a while. It's, uh, it's really, I like it. I take it straight out of the tube. Uh, it comes in a little tube. You can mix it with water. You can mix it uh, on food. I've seen uh, the great Malcolm out loud. He says he puts it on ice cream. You know, that sounds good to me because it's, uh, it's like a raspberry flavor. But I drink it right out of the tube. It provides me with a lot of stuff for my immune system which we got over COVID here very quickly. And I haven't had the sinus infections I usually get uh, since I've been taking this stuff. And I absolutely do uh, attribute it to that. 
I have to tell you, I thought, you know, in the beginning, ah, let me try this stuff. I don't know. I heard about it. It's going to make me bad. Let me see if it can be bad. It absolutely has made a difference uh, for me, and that's why I keep taking it. So Healthy Cell, uh, take a look. They have immune boost. They have stuff for sleeping. Uh, and they also have like a focus thing to help your, help your brain focus, which, uh, you know, maybe I need some of that. Maybe it'll keep me, uh, keep me more straight online. But uh, Healthy Cell, they advertise on the network here. Go take a look. If you're looking for something to help you, really good stuff. I like it. So our topic here, evil in America. The most recent, recent, recent attack. Now, who knows? There could be another one today because we, we have these kind of things. The reason I say all of this is connected, these attacks that we have going on, the, the political fighting we have, it started to really come together for everybody, right? Remember when Trump started running and then family members stopped talking to each other? I still have cousin... Uh, that I love, who's a very, very smart man, didn't realize how liberal and left he was my whole life, never realized that. He was just a brilliant guy, and I really loved hanging out with him and his family. And then he, he saw a couple of my posts where I was saying, like, I think Trump would be a good president, right? And, and he's like, we haven't spoken. We haven't spoken in three years. And I know that's been repeated by people all across the country. But you, you have these these brutal comments that people make to each other. Friends for years were diametrically opposed to each other. Now, don't talk. They don't get along. All because, not because so much of Trump. Trump was simply the catalyst. You know, there's certain things that come along at a certain time in life, uh, a certain place, uh, whether it be an event, you know, 9-11, changed how we do things. Uh, the Columbine shooting, how we changed how we do things there, and it changed our awareness of this, this evil that's around. When Donald Trump ran for office, the reason so many people responded to him, and all, all my friends on the left who, who, who can't get, they don't get it. Why do you like this guy? What he, he's so divisive. It, because he's, he's, he does what he says he's going to do. He doesn't pull punches. He went after the things that people think are important, that unfortunately, many of our uh, politicians on the right, all they do is give lip service to year after year after year after year. All they do, oh yes, we're going we're to secure the border, secure the border, and then they take a vote on it. Well, we're not, we're not going to put the money towards it. We're not going to close the border. We're not going to do that. You know, we're going to move the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. How many presidents, Republican presidents, promised to do that and then never did it? didn't have the cojones to go in there and do it. Donald Trump says he's going to do it. He goes in and he does it. That's why people responded to him. Nobody cared about the stupid comments he made or if that he, that he was gruff when he talked to people. It's the people on the, on the side, the right side, the conservative side, who were sick and tired of being lied to by our own people. You know, the Mitt Romneys of the world out there who were nothing but milk toast nothings. We've had that for, for years and people just were sick of it. Now you had a guy like Donald Trump who comes along, who's a billionaire, a rich guy, used to doing whatever the hell he wants to do and getting things done, and he shows up and says, I'm going to do all these things. He said he was going to give us a, a, a conservative Supreme Court. What did he give us? The most conservative Supreme Court we've probably ever had. The biggest decision in the world, Roe versus Wade, that for years, oh, we're going to overturn it, we're going to overturn it, we're going to overturn it, and then they didn't do nothing to overturn This guy appointed justices who went in under threat to their lives, and they overturned it, right? So that's what the appeal of Donald Trump is, is that he actually does the things he says he's going to do that people want done. 
We're going to close the border and build a wall. And he starts building the damn wall. Right? Everybody else just talked about it. So this is where we start to, to, to look at our country and where we are. And that's really where I think the schism was developed uh, prior, prior to Donald Trump, no doubt about it. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan was really the, the, first, um, the first punch of, of, the, of the battle between the right and the left. You know, up until then, we were a pretty conservative country. Uh, Democrats and Republicans, we, we've had different ways of doing things, different thoughts about how to get things done, but we were all going in the same direction. We loved America and we wanted the best for everybody, but we just saw different sides of it, how to, how to get what we wanted. And then we had the 60s and the 60s were a true revolution. What was revolutionary about it is that after World War II, in the period of the 50s, when America became a superpower, economically, militarily, and everything started to grow. The 60s were a, a clear first example of what I have talked about before, is that when you have such an abundance that you can start, certainly start to lose your focus. And that's what started to happen. Because we had such abundance, you know, the roaring 60s economy and the jobs and money and our, our, our way of life went up. Our technology grew. Uh, we were leading the world. Uh, it's easy to then sit back because you have free time. Right. Remember, if you remember back, uh, you know, like episode uh, 37, uh, and I'm guessing at that, I talked about my father-in-law, Ted's generation. Ted, how are you? Because Ted listens every day. Uh, and I do appreciate Ted and all of you who listen every day. Ted's generation, they, they had to work every single day to put food on the table. They didn't have a lot of spare time. They didn't have time to worry about the, the nonsense that we think about today. They worried about eating making sure there was a roof over people's heads, that people had clothing that was decent, that they could function as a person. And when you have that much of your time taken up, you deal with that every day. When we had such such, such a mass of everything, there's so much food, there's so much wealth, there's so much money. I mean, look at what the things that people, yes, there are poor people, yes, 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 people in the basement, yes, write that down, there are poor people. But you know what, the, the status of people in America, you can take, and Rush Limbaugh said this one time, and he was right, if you take the average person in America that they say lives in poverty, which is a horrible thing. Nobody wants to live in poverty. We want everybody to do well. But if you look at them, between the, the assistance that they get for food, housing, uh, most people have, uh, everyone has a cell phone. People have air conditioning in most of their apartments. Not everyone, but most. They have at least a car. And these are people that we say are in poverty. Go compare the rest of the world's poverty. And you see people who are living on dirt floor huts, uh, eating whatever they can catch, right? Uh, starving to death. That's real poverty. The poverty we have in America is, it, no, believe me, it's not good. I wouldn't want to do it. And I feel horrible for people who do have to live that way. But the reality is the, it's better than anywhere else in the world. Now, should it be better than that? Yes. Should people take education courses? Should they learn? Should they live appropriate lifestyles? Not according to Lieutenant Joe, but according to the way life actually works out. You have to do the right things in life. You have to behave the right way. You have to curtail your desires to just want and want and want. You have to work hard. You have to sacrifice to get somewhere. That's how all of us who have gotten somewhere uh, have done it. We have sacrificed, right? So when we, when we see Ronald Reagan, when he came out and... and tried to put, put a, you know, we're the shining city on the hill. 
Uh, after Jimmy Carter, people people were down. They felt bad about their country. We had a malaise, right? Remember the malaise? Uh, the economy was horrible. Uh, gasoline prices, gas lines, prices were going. Everything was horrible. Inflation was bad. And Reagan stepped in and basically with a thunderous foot uh, onto the floor, shook the place up and said, no, we're going to change. We're going to get government out of your way. We're going to let the American people do what they need to do. And suddenly there was this resurgence of pride in America. There was a resurgence of the economy. 20-year boom after Ronald Reagan and his policies. And and he, he was really the first shot across the bow of trying to stop and slow the decay that had begun. Okay? Go back to the 1950s. Most people went to church. Right? Oh, Lieutenant Joe, church, you must be so foolish and stupid. I'm not going to go round and round with that again, but when we go to church and we listen to the tenets of our church, whatever our church is, our religious uh, uh, affiliation, we live a different life. We treat people differently. We handle charity. We do the right things. We behave properly in our personal lives. Right? When you get rid of God and you get rid of all the, you know, the shackles of having to, you know, do things a certain way, when you remove all of them, you begin to see a cultural rot. Now, believe me, I grew up in the late 1970s and the early 1980s, and I was a rock and roll guy. I played guitar, and I thought the world was cool, and I wanted to, you know, be a musician, and want to have fun, and I want to party, and, and I thought that was going to be the way it was. It wasn't until I had some decisions, some real decisions to make. I met the beautiful and glorious Miss Kathy, and I fell madly in love. And I realized that as much as I liked rock and roll and that was fun, and it was, believe me, it was fun, but you know, I had, I, it was carefree. I had nobody to care for but myself. If I played a gig and I made 20 bucks, I had enough to eat till the next day, right? Once I met Kathleen and we, we fell in love and we got together, I realized what was important for me was to have a family was to, and to have a decent life. And therefore, my life of wildness as a rock and roll guy either was going to continue and I wouldn't have the family I wanted, or I had to make some tough decisions. And I chose to have a, a life that would provide me with, uh, provide for me and my wife or a good family, to provide for children, to bring children into the world, to make a wonderful life, so to speak, doing things uh, the hard way, you know, the easy way. A lot of my friends didn't. A lot of my friends kept on partying and rock and rolling and this and that. And to this day, they're in their 60s and they got nothing. They got absolutely nothing. And they're alone and they busted relationships. Um, just not, not a fun life. I sacrificed, right? And it was a sacrifice to give up the guitar and that lifestyle, you know, because it's all true. It's all true. That rock and roll lifestyle is all true, man. It is wild, but then I realized that's not really what I, what I found value in. You know, I was kind of doing it because it was the thing to do. But when I had a choice to make, I chose to go a different way. I chose love and God and family and honor. And yes, it was a sacrifice. It was hard. It was slower. It was not as exciting. But I'll tell you, it was better. And because of that, it allowed me to create the life I've created now, the wonderful children I have. Kathleen and I have been able to enjoy life together. You know, it's really been a different thing. But this is what we don't have now. Let's look at our culture. And when I say evil in America, the Ronald Reagan step out was the first attempt to try and stop it. And 
we had a great thing, and then you know, okay, then we voted for you know for Bill Clinton. We got Bill Clinton in here, uh, you know, and then we had the George Bushes, and then we went to the rhinos and all the politicians who never did what they said they were going to do, and we kind of limped along, and the cultural wars went back and forth. Uh, some things changed that should have changed, you know, and that's the, I know I'm going round and round here and I apologize. This is, this is kind of like open think. This is what goes on in Lieutenant Joe's head all the time. As I connect these things together, you know, uh, there are things in our, in our popular culture, our regular culture that did need to change. And we make these changes here in America, uh, sometimes slowly, slower than they should be. But there's also, there's also potential problems with the changes we make, but we had to make some of them. So we talked earlier and in the first part of the show here, we talked about the, you know, the evil of slavery, that we got rid of it. We should have got rid of it sooner, but we got rid of it. We, we, we abandoned it. We realized it was horrifi horrifying and we abandoned it and we moved forward. Are there still some residual problems because of it? Yes, I think there are some still in, in reality and in people's minds. I think a lot of people even though they're nowhere connected to slavery, they still feel the burden of slavery, uh, either as, you know, the slave people or as the slave themselves. They feel that burden of history. And instead of us finding a way to work all of us past that so that we can all be better off, you know, we kind of hang in that. And that's, that's an unfortunate thing. That's part of the problem we need to overcome. But that was one thing. When I look now and I say, you know, the, returning the Roe versus Wade decision, it goes back to the states. That's a good thing. So if you live in a state where you want to do abortions, you'll be able to do it. If you want to live in a state where they don't do that, you can, you can live there. And that's a good thing. You know, the, the fear mongering, the, the, the evil in America is, is when people come out and they see things like, well, next they're going to come after gay marriage so that gay people can't be married. And then they're going to go after your contraception. Nobody in their right mind believes that they're going to they're going to try and reverse um, gay marriage or that they're going to say you can't have condoms and you can't have birth control. Nope. that is a progression that we've come to a realization that those are things that that's not a problem. Right. These are not a problem. It doesn't matter who you love. Right. It doesn't matter who you love. If you love somebody, you love them, you want to be with them. I get it. It's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. As a matter of fact, it probably makes you know people's lives better. So that's a good thing. Nobody's going to try and overturn gay marriage. That's ridiculous. That's a scaremonger thing, right? And they're going to come after your contraception next because you know the church is in charge of everything. And that's not true at all. No one in their right mind believes they're going to, nope, there's no more contraception. You can't have it. That's ridiculous. I think we're way beyond that. But they drag in these things, right? Why are these things dragged into the argument? To scare you. Who scares you, goodness or evil? Evil uses fear as a tool to move you. So whether it's religious evil, Satan approved, or if it's just humanity's evil to manipulate you into what they, what they want you to do, right? So we've seen all these kind of things, and that's what I'm, I'm looking at. So when we look, as we got, went through the 70s and 80s and the 90s and, and this cultural rot, started to develop because of what I said is we have such an abundance in this country. Now we have time to sit around and think and we come up with things and, you know, okay, well, we should be more tolerant of people's decisions. Well, we became more tolerant, but now that's gone completely the other way. Now it's not just tolerance. It's a demand that everybody believe what everybody else believes. And that doesn't work. I can't demand you believe what I believe, 
even if I think it's right. I can be happy that you're tolerant of my beliefs and that nobody bothers me because of my beliefs and I can live my life how I want because of my beliefs. That's good. But I can't demand you believe what I believe or accept what I accept. Is You have to accept it and you have to verbally say you accept it. That's, that's not tolerance. So that's, that's what people have always been concerned of, the slippery slope. All right. If we go one direction, it'll go too far. It's a, instead, we need to find that nice, that nice sweet spot in the middle where we can all get along, respect each other's uh, points of view. And as long as it don't hurt you, it doesn't hurt nobody else, they're fine. Do, do your thing. Right. Those are the kind of do your thing things that I can see in a normal, non-chaotic society would work. But we're not going backwards. Evil tells you we're going to go backwards because there's a bigger agenda. There's a bigger motive to it. So when I look at this, uh, this evil person who just shot up the, the 4th of July parade in Chicago, you know, it is a, it is a symptom of, of what's gone on. And this kid, uh, I, I'm loathe to you his name, but you need to know who the evil is, uh, this Robert Crimo. Now, when you look at this guy, you say to yourself, he, he, he doesn't look like a mainstream kind of guy. Let's put it that way. You know, he's got tattoos up and down his neck. He's got tattoos on his face. He, he's doing some kind of crazy rap music. He's talking about shooting people. He's drawing pictures about shooting people. Th this is obviously a person that has some problems, right? This is a person that has problems. The problem we have as a society is because you're not allowed to notice that people have problems anymore because it, it's a choice. He may, he's making a choice, man. So what? He wants tattoos on his face. I could care less if you got tattoos on your face. Would I do that to my face? No. My face has enough problems. I don't need to worry about putting tattoos on my face. But the reality is the average person doesn't tattoo up their face. That's a mentality. There's something going on there that somebody would want to tattoo their face, that somebody would want to do, you know, rap music. I've listened to it, rap music. There's some good rap music and there's some bad, just like there's good rock and roll and there's bad rock and roll. You know, the evil stuff, the bad stuff, the, the you know, talking about women in derogatory manners and shooting the cops, and that's bad. That is evil. That develops a culture around that, that that becomes acceptable. So this kid, this Crimio, or whatever they call him, Crimo, this kid is down there living whatever kind of lifestyle he was living. Uh, as a young man, he's told, first of all, he's a man, he's bad. Uh, you know, he's a white kid, he's bad. He's got privilege and he should renounce it and he's evil and he's horrible. He's going to grow up to be horrible. That's the kind of culture things we got going on now. Now this kid sees this anti-culture. He gets involved in it and... When people see it and go, man, that's, 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 that's not good, but you're not allowed to say it's not good. See, we have to be tolerant of everything, even things that are bad. And we've taken, we've taken um, the, the definitions of what is healthy, of what is, what is appropriate for people to interact with each other. You know, I don't like to use the word normal because, you know, what I do, you might not say what I do is normal. So there is no normal, but there are things that are appropriate and inappropriate. There are behaviors and thought patterns that are not appropriate, that are bad. But in our modern society today, because of the cultural rot that we have, we have to see every thought pattern, everything somebody wants to do as 
perfectly acceptable. You better accept them. It's okay. What do you hate people that have tattoos? That's you hate people. You're a hater. Instead of going, you know, that's a little out of the ordinary. Why would somebody do that? So there's only a couple of reasons. Somebody would get tattoos all over their face like that because either one, they think it's really cool and it looks beautiful and they really think it's an artistic thing and they just really love it. And you know what? Good for them. Tattoo up your whole face. I don't care. Then there's other people that do it to defy everyone else. Oh yeah, look what I'm doing. Or maybe to feel powerful or to stand out. Don't we all want to fit in? Doesn't everybody want to fit in? So when we look at the the rotted culture we have today, where there is no uh, right and wrong, where there is no good and evil, it's all just choices. When we don't have that, then everything sinks to the lowest common denominator. And we have young people out there who, who are misguided, they're lost, there's no religion. Religion is laughed at now. If you went to a, uh, the average high school and said, hey, uh, let's have a God, they would laugh at you because the popular culture tells them God is a hater, God is bad, God said, they know better. They, they're going to give you all the good things that God wants to take away from you. Hmm. Do you mean they're going to use words to try and convince you that God doesn't want the best for you? That there's things out there you could be enjoying. Who does that sound like? Right answer. Satan approved. Go ahead, eat that apple. Look at that. He just doesn't want you to have that apple. That's a beautiful apple, man. You can go enjoy that apple. Ain't gonna hurt nobody. Right? You can go do these things, even if they're bad for you. This is what I'm talking about. All of the all of this is 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 swirling around, swirling around. So the idea that this kid came into contact with the police a couple times is something, this is this should be a watershed moment. Just like Uvalde should be a watershed moment for law enforcement to change. You know, we've always changed. We adopt. Columbine taught us not to wait, not, not to surround and drown and do a SWAT style check of a building. It takes nine hours. We had to get four cops together and go in real fast. Then we had to get two. Now we get. Now we're down to the first good guy or good girl gun goes in after the shooter. That's good. We've evolved. Uvalde now has taught us another lesson, that even though we are training and they did training in Uvalde uh, for active shooter, just uh, just in March, that when we're training, there's something wrong with our training that people do the wrong thing when it really happens. This is a watershed moment to recognize this, pull this apart. And figure out what we can do. Well, this this shooting now in at the parade, um, we need to look at this very closely and see what what lessons can be gleaned from this, and how do we change? So, one of the things we're hearing about in the bill, President Biden recently signed this new gun control stuff, which is really gun control for law-abiding citizens, not for criminals. We don't do anything about criminals because, you know, God forbid you go after the criminals. They're just trying to make a living too, you know. Um, We don't want to violate their rights by arresting them, but that's a whole nother show. We'll get into another day. But these new laws that he came, one of them is this red flag law. There's money for states that'll create red flag laws. Now on its face, the idea of a red flag law seems reasonable. If somebody is saying things like this kid drew pictures about shooting people, told people he wanted to kill everyone, uh, you know, this kid obviously was a danger to himself and to others. And law enforcement came into contact with him, but there are limited things cops can do. Just because he's making threats, I want to kill everybody. That's not a specific threat. It's a crazy thought that needs to be looked at closer. Absolutely. 
but we, we have to we have to follow laws. You can't just take people off the streets because they say something crazy unless we define what we're going to do. So this is what I'm suggesting. Lieutenant Joe is suggesting this, uh, putting it out there. This is the some of the lessons I'm seeing right away is that the red flag law can be abused. It will be abused by any government leaders who are looking for a way to control the Second Amendment. We already see in New York and some other states where the Supreme Court came out and said, you can't do what you're doing. Everyone, this Second Amendment applies to everybody and you can have concealed. Well, now they're saying, okay, then we'll make laws that say you can't carry in any public place. You can't go anywhere here. You can't go anywhere there. We're, we'll circumvent your right with our beliefs. And these red flag laws are the same thing. You know, well, did, did you did you have an argument with your neighbor? Do we have a report you argued? Then you can't have your guns. Go take all their guns. Go in the house, take all the guns. No guns. So you can see how it can easily be abused. And that's what people are afraid of. It kind of makes sense when a kid like this is saying ugly things about shooting people that you go and red flag him. And there's a database that says this kid's a danger and he can't buy a gun. Kind of makes sense. The problem is in the execution of how it'll be done. It'll be politicized. It'll be manipulated by evil to do something to honest, decent people who don't need to be involved. So listen, we barely started, uh, you know, touching the surface of here, but unfortunately, evil is real. Evil is running rampant in America. When you hear people saying things that are, are negative, that are against America, against our Constitution, against life, against decency, you got to say, that's all Satan approved. Well, my friends, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Think about this. Let's find ways we can get together and solve these problems instead of alienating each other and causing more trouble. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. See you 